Revelation 5, 1 through 14. Last week was the resurrected Christ, who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the judge of the living and the dead. That's a huge title. He's the king and he's going to return and his return will make the world tremble and mourn. But Jesus is also, in addition to Alpha and Omega, I can't get my, let me get my microphone adjusted real quick. It's messing up on me. In addition to being that, he is also, as we see in Revelation 5, the lamb that was slain. The slain lamb. So let's enter that together. I'm going to read this quickly. Then I saw the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, worthy, who, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, who would you expect to see? A lion. Or a root of David, maybe a tree. But instead of a lion, you see this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes. I haven't seen a lamb like that, have you? Which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Notice that it's a capital L lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Is it okay to have new songs in church? Yeah. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God. Men also includes women, don't worry. For God and from every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God. Does that sound familiar? To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory, power, and honor forever. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 upon 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and they worshiped. The resurrected Christ is the lamb who is slain, which seems to be the polar opposite of a lion, 
a king coming with a sword in his mouth to judge the nations, doesn't it? Something that's triumphant and glorious also is appearing to be defeated, slain, and broken. Should be dead, but not. It's a lamb. Why a lamb? John the Baptist said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Of course, he's pointing to the reality that it is the sacrificial lamb who removes the sins from Israel. And he's saying, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sins, not just of Israel, but also every nation on the earth. Who is like that? What do you want to check that screen? Last week, the screen wasn't on. I just want to make sure people join us online. Oh, you already did? Thanks, Rob. I didn't even notice that. Glad you guys can see us online. The lamb who's slain takes away the sins, not just of Israel, but of the world. And it reveals that the nature of Jesus' sacrifice, sacrifice is a provision for all people of all generations, of every language, every tribe. There is no one who is excluded from the cleansing power of the blood of the Lamb. That is the most inclusive word in an age where inclusiveness, inclusivity and diversity is becoming a gospel. Jesus is the most inclusive one because he's for all people, yet he is the most exclusive because he says no one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And that's where people have a big problem with Jesus. It's for all people. And this wasn't just done on a whim. This was a plan. From, he, he was slain, as Revelation 13.8 says, he's the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. It's done. We look at sacrifices in the Bible... From the beginning of God's relationship with his chosen people, God would provide the sacrificial lamb. You know the story of Abraham who had no children and God said, you're going to have children, but it wasn't until 25 years after that promise when he was 100 years old and his wife is 90 years old that God gave him Isaac, which means laughter. And then when Isaac was older, God said, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. And as they're walking up the mountain for him to sacrifice his son, his son doesn't know what's going to happen. So he asked the question, Avi? That's what he called his dad. Avi is like saying daddy. It's kind of like Abba. Avi? I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? And Abraham gives a good response to his son. The best response, God will provide a lamb. What a word of faith. The lamb that's slain before the foundation of the world. God's going to provide a lamb. And of course, he gets ready to sacrifice his son. But the Lord says, stop. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Look over there in the thicket. There's a ram caught by its horns. That is what you're going to sacrifice, not your son. Which is a foreshadow of what is to come, that God is the one who provides his son, 
his only son whom he loves, the Lamb of God. That wasn't just the only sacrifice. There were many sacrifices after that point. From the beginning, God would provide the sacrificial lamb. And in the end, we see the sacrificial lamb provided not just for Abraham and his descendants, but for every nation. We see this lamb who is slain yet alive. Jesus is the slain yet alive one because of his resurrection. After all, he appeared to his disciples and he said, look at my hands and my feet. Put your hand here in my side, Thomas. He looks slain, but he's alive. That's unlike any other human. The vision John has is this slain lamb who's opening a scroll. Only God could be both slain, which means killed. Only God could be both killed and also alive. But the lamb wasn't the only sacrifice. Throughout the history of Israel, they would sacrifice goats, rams, which are adult lambs, bulls, heifers, even birds. They would sacrifice a goat once a year on the Day of Atonement, and they'd also send a goat out as a scapegoat. This would cleanse the sins of the people once a year. But day after day, actually twice daily, Exodus 29, 38 says this, this is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day, two lambs a year old. One offer, in, offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of an ephah, a fine flour mixed with a quarter of a hint of oil from pressed olives and a quarter of a hint of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning. A pleasing aroma, an offering made to the Lord by fire. Twice a day, every day. That's a lot of lambs. Now, a modern person would say, that's animal cruelty. They shouldn't do that. I would say to that person, you don't know the nature of sin. You don't know the severity of sin. The wages of sin is death. And if not an animal, then what would die? A person? Could you imagine, get a picture of your own child? I almost put a picture of my daughter up here, but I decided not to. A picture of your own child? Is the death of one person better than two, two lambs a day for a long time? What if it was your child? How many lambs would you be okay with being slaughtered in order to save your own child's life? I'd say as many as possible. Why? Because an animal is nothing compared to the life of a human. The life of an animal is far less worthy than the life of a human being. And the one who says, well, that's cruel. You don't know the nature of sin. Sin is cruel. Or even an elderly person. No human life is worth less than the life of an animal. Every human is valuable. And God goes to great lengths to reconcile humanity to himself. So if something has to die, it's going to be a living thing that's not human. All in favor of lamb's death over your death? Okay. 
But before this, when Israel was in Egypt, they were slaves. And God delivered them from slavery with this final plague that he would sweep through and he would take the life of every firstborn son. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? But in order to be spared, they would take a lamb, they would slaughter it and take the blood and put it on their door frames. And so the night of the Passover, the Spirit of God swept through Egypt and every house that had the blood of the lamb, God passed over them. Whereas every household that did not have the blood of the lamb, they awoke to the horror that the firstborn son in their household was dead. And this angered and frustrated and made Pharaoh wail with deep pain that he set Israel free. He let them go, finally. The lamb's blood allowed them to not only get out of Israel, sorry, out of Egypt, but it also allowed them to escape the judgment of God. Because the land in which they were living was evil. Now the animals that were slaughtered, they had no choice. They were selected, they were taken, their lives were taken. But Jesus came willing to us and he freely laid his life down. John 10, 18 says that no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord and I have authority to lay it down, the authority to take it up again. And also Jesus, like the lamb, was innocent. The lambs didn't do anything wrong. They didn't sin. Jesus, unlike humanity, he also did nothing wrong. He didn't sin. He was pure and spotless. All of us are guilty, but he is unblemished. Therefore, no one else could do it. He is the necessary one who came for us. So this Passover was celebrated every single year. Up to the time of Jesus, it was still, and it's still celebrated today. But when Jesus came and he participated in the Passover in the upper room with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Sorry, this is my body which is broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. He was pointing to himself as the Paschal Lamb. He is the what? He's the Lamb. This is my body. This is my blood. And the Passover reminds Israel that once they were slaves in Egypt, but because of the judgment of God on Egypt, and the blood of the Lamb which set them free from God's judgment, they were delivered into the land flowing of milk and honey, the, path, the promised land. And so if Jesus is saying, I'm the Passover Lamb, what does that tell us? It tells us that He's the one who sets us free from the tyranny of evil. He's the one who sets us free from slavery. He's the one who delivers us He's our hope. When no one else could do it, he came. The blood of Jesus not only allows us to escape the judgment of God, but it cleanses us from sin and it makes us new creations. Who else can do that? 
In addition to that, the blood of Jesus prepares us for resurrection, for eternal life. And so here's Jesus, the slain lamb of God. And we have this story of what John sees, that there's a scroll and nobody can open the scroll. No one. No one's worthy. But the lamb takes the scroll. How does that happen? I don't know. (laughs) The lamb takes the scroll and he opens it. He breaks the seal. By his blood, he has purchased people from every nation. And he makes the sinful, broken people righteous and whole. Here's what the scroll represents. The scroll is everything that needs to be made right in the world. Who can, who can make everything right? You look at all that has gone on, not just the past year, but the past years, the, the past decades, the past centuries. Who can unravel all this? We can't even fix the tax system in America. Who can make it right? I remember talking to Tracy Trimble, uh, who was here before she moved to Wisconsin, and she works for a hospital, and she said, there's nobody who could fix all the coding that I have to do in the hospital. There's no one who can make it right. It's like, man, if we can't make that right, who can make the world right? There's no king, there's no president, there's no government, there's no authority, there's no one who can make it right. During our prayer time, we had stories of a kid getting hit by a car and two children who die of a tragic accident. We've had people that we love die of cancer, die of disease, die of old age. Who can make it right? Who can open the scroll? Who's worthy? It's the Lamb. Not just any lamb, but a killed lamb, a slaughtered lamb. And then after it says he's worthy, it says this, he made them into a kingdom, this broken people, he made them into a kingdom, which is united, not the united kingdom, but a kingdom under one authority, Christ. He made them into priests, agents of his reconciling work. He made them in order to serve God, which we couldn't do before, and to reign on the earth, which was really a a restoration of what we were intended to do in the Garden of Eden, where God said, I want you to rule over the earth and subdue it. Therefore, he's worthy. Who can open the scroll? The slain lamb can. He's worthy to take the scroll and open it. He's worthy to be worshipped, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Could you imagine if people were hailing another human being with all that? There'd be outrage. And Jesus claims about himself, if any other human made the claims that Jesus made about himself, he would be dismissed as a heretic, as crazy. Yet Jesus did, he made such claims with such humility 
didn't have a crazy look in his eye. And he came and he laid his life down. I don't know of anybody who would make such claims about themselves so boastful, yet also be so humble enough to lay their life down. There's nobody like that. So he's worthy to be seated at the right hand of the Father. My question to us today is, will we join in this great cloud of witnesses who proclaim, worthy is the Lamb? Jesus asked his disciple, Peter, which is really a good question for us. Do you love me? It's a simple question. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Now, Jesus, I thought you're the lamb. He is. But those that he cares for, he's the good shepherd also. Feed his lambs. Take care of his sheep. Feed his sheep. Of course, Jesus asked this three times because Peter denied him three times. You know, there's another guy who wasn't part of this crew. His name was Saul, and he was persecuting Christians, calling for their slaughter. And when he was persecuting the church, he took off for Damascus. And while he was on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him in bright light. He knocked him to the ground, blinded him. And he said these words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, Jesus is resurrected. He's at the right hand of the Father at this point. How is he persecuting Jesus? Whom you are persecuting. That is the imperfect tense. It is happening. It hasn't come to completion. You are persecuting me. You see the connection? I am the slain lamb. A lamb looking at a slain. He's killed, yet he's also alive. Jesus is being persecuted. His body is being persecuted. His people the slain lamb. And so Saul hears those words. He goes to Ananias who cared for him. Jesus healed him of his blindness and Paul became the greatest missionary in the history of the church. Aren't you glad that when Jesus went to Saul, he could have just wiped him out. He could have killed him and stopped him in his tracks, but instead he had mercy on him. And then he calls him to follow him. And so Paul joins with Peter in feeding the lambs. Jesus is the wounded servant who brings healing and righteousness into the world and into the lives of individuals and communities. He's the one. He's the lamb who is slain and the same lamb who is the only one worthy to open the scroll. As the lamb of God, he took our sin upon himself and he died. And in doing so, he defeated death by rising from the dead And he takes the scroll, and by doing so, he restores righteousness in us, in Peter, in Paul, 
in Mary, that's a joke, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and in us. The church for ages have said these words, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ has died. He took our sin upon himself. Christ is risen. He defeated death. And Christ will come again where he restores righteousness in us and in all of creation. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And we say what? Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Jesus, you are the lamb. You're the judge of the living and the dead, but you're also the lamb. We believe in you. We trust in you. We worship you today. Thank you for the hope that you give not just us, but the hope that you give the world. Help us to join you in your work to feed the lambs, feed your sheep, and take care of your lambs. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.